I wonder if we can uh, just call up just the front, just our Tukupu team. They're going to Indonesia. And Charlotte, you just come up. Uh, just uh, there'll be many here uh, who won't be aware. We have a, uh, a culture team in the church. And uh, they're going up to Indonesia to preach the gospel through culture. Some have already gone. We had an unexpected change in our flights. So some of the team have already gone. We thought we we're going to pray for all of the team today. We've had about a half of the team have had to get away and go already. But uh, so here's some of the team. And, uh, there, and uh, we're all heading off later on today. And uh, we fly out about 2.30 in the morning. And uh, this is a great team because I have three generations of my family in the Maori culture team. So I've got a daughter and a granddaughter and a grandson. And uh, so it's great. And uh, we've just, uh, you've worked so hard over this period of time. And uh, it's been a huge challenge, raising finance, working hard. But uh, what, they, what they have done and created, you, you would have seen just when they did the performance just uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we're going to get them to come back and do it again. And uh, if you didn't see it, I tell you, it's something not to be missed to see Maori culture expressing the message of the gospel in a way you've never seen it before. Amazing and really touching. So we want to uh, send them from the church. They're going out as a team sent from the church. We have a number of teams go out into different nations. Uh, and uh, today, this team is going to Indonesia, two weeks. And we also have Charlotte. And uh, Charlotte, now she's, she's not in this team. She's got team of one. And uh, we're going to, Charlotte's going to the Philippines. And so we'll talk about that in just a moment. But uh, I'd like you just, uh, if you're with us, to stretch your hand out to the team here. And like uh, Ian and uh, Lynn and, uh, and where's Brian? Brian, you come up too and just be involved in laying hands. Dave, if you're here somewhere around, Dave, you can do that. So let's just reach out our hands. We want to pray that many, many, many Muslims will come to Christ through the gospel. Anna has gone up there before with teams and thousands of people have been impacted by what she and the youth did. Now it's the turn of the Maori culture team. So let's just reach out our hands. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for Peter and Henrietta, for Jake and Fiona, for their sacrifice and all the work they've done to make this possible. We thank you for the team members that have worked hard to raise finance. We thank you for the team members that for a variety of reasons are unable to come through sickness or through financial issues or whatever. We thank you for them and we hold them in our heart. This is them going as well. So Father, today we lay hands and we release. Release your anointing and power, your mighty power to change and transform lives. Lord, give them great wisdom. Let your presence be felt upon them. Father, we pray a great boldness and authority. The anointing of the Spirit of God come. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, we just pray your wonderful power, your wonderful blessing. Sarjani, you are there too. Well, it's exciting, isn't it, eh? If you wonder why he fell over, it's because the presence of God came on him. Sometimes when the presence of God comes on people, whew, they can't stand. God we serve is a real God. God is a spirit. We can't see him, but his power and presence are able to come and touch us in a very tangible way. When the presence of God touches people, 
as joy comes in or people cry or people feel the love of God or sometimes just fall over. Father, touch him. <laughs> touch him, Lord. Let your power just flow into his body and spirit and just touch him in Jesus' name. Chelsea, you've done such a great job. You are amazing. You are amazing. You have such creativity. You were born for this. You were born for this. God has used you to powerfully shape the message. You know, I remember going there and just seeing how you put your hand on it and shaped it and put creativity into it. And when I, when I saw what you had put in, it was exactly what God had wanted to do. Father, just release your anointing. Let your power just come upon her, Lord, today, right now, in Jesus' mighty name. Let creativity increase. Let your wonderful anointing be upon her life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is fantastic. Let's give the team a clap. They're off today. Pray we don't lose any of them. And uh, we want to, especially today, send out Charlotte. And uh, Charlotte, you're 19, aren't you, Charlotte? And Charlotte's been here all my life. And <laughs> but uh, Charlotte's an amazing young woman of God. And uh, she has grown up in the church, grown up uh, in the youth. She's made wonderful choices. She's like every other teenager, faced her personal struggles and challenges. But she made some tremendous choices to get God to help her, to draw people in to help her. She's made great choices when she's been in the midst of pressure and turmoil to remain loyal to the Lord, loyal to the leaders with her. And uh, God has taken her on several occasions overseas. She's gone into countries we've sent her. And uh, each, as she went up, she was up with me in Singapore, I remember, and been up with others into Indonesia and uh, been finally to the Philippines. And in the Philippines, God put her heart there to go back and to, uh, to stay there. So she's going there for nine months. It's a big challenge to leave home and go away to a foreign country for nine months. And uh, I think it's a wonderful thing. And uh, great, great challenge, a great step of faith. And uh, it's an exploratory venture. To, she feels the call of God to go and live and work there. And so we've got a period. So we've, we've, we've worked with her on this one. So well, you get nine months over there in the worst season of the year. Then you come back and you go to uh, college and you do some training for a year. And uh, then if the call of God is still to go there, then we'll all agree with it and say go. And uh, so it's important that we get the mind of the Lord and not just have uh, passion or idealism. But she feels in her heart very strongly to go. And so we want to honor you for making such a decision. You've never been one to do what everyone else did. And uh, that's great. I want to thank you, Richard and Amanda, for all that you've signed into her and raising her up for godly values. And it must be... Um, <laughs> What a, that's right, mixture of emotions today as, uh, as you see your daughter making a step to follow the Lord, to go into a mission field to work. And I'm sure there'll be great grief, but great joy. It's a funny sort of feeling, isn't it, eh? Do I laugh or cry? And you do both. So we want to just uh, celebrate with you. And uh, we have a special gift to give you from Bay City, just to bless you and to just make it possible for you to do this. And I want to lay hands on you and send you out as the representative of the church to go into that nation. And uh, we know Roger well, Pastor, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing and hearing great reports. And we're going to send Mum and Dad over to check on you in a couple of months' time, make sure everything's fine. And uh, why don't we reach out our hands, church, and just lay hands on a young woman of God who's decided to put her heart and life into serving the Lord in such a dramatic way. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful, Lord. Father, we just commend 
Charlotte, to your grace, your mighty love, your mighty power to work in her life and to work through her as she goes to the Philippines. Father, we pray you will cause great fruit to come from that visit. She'll have a great impact in that place. Be a great encouragement to those who are there. We pray, Lord, that dreams and visions and ideas will come to her. We pray also, Lord, that your hand would rest powerfully upon her. We pray you'll clarify the direction and the course of her life in such a very clear way. And as she goes there, Lord, we pray, Lord, she'll learn and she'll grow and she'll benefit greatly from that experience. Father, today as we send her out, we lay hands on her in Jesus' name and release blessing and anointing. As, as I've waited on the Lord before Him to see what He'd say to you, I saw very clearly a number of things. The first one was out of 1 Samuel. It talks about how Samuel put a stone called Ebenezer, a stone of help. And it talks about what happened with that stone when the stone was put in place. And God's waited and looked for a person that would become the stone of help in a nation that needs His kingdom to come into it. The other thing I saw was there was a door that God is now going to open up for you behind the door I saw a river and the Lord began to speak to me about the river that would flow over you, into you and through your life that would become a wellspring to many, many, many many young people in that nation that people are going to come from the highways and the byways to sit and listen to what God is doing in and through your life, to watch what He's doing. The other thing I saw is there's a massive release of the angelic on your behalf. And with that angelic there came a mantle and as I watched the mantle come down over your life, I began to inquire of the Lord. I said, Lord, what, what is the mantle? And he said to me, just the same way as he had mantled the lady that ministers in, in um, Mozambique, Heidi Baker, the same way as he'd mantled her for a nation. God's mantling you for a nation. You're going to be known as the Heidi Baker of that nation, a woman who is going to love the people, to love beyond what is possible in human nature, to love in the kingdom and in the spirit, the people of that nation. God's already put it in your heart and planted a seed. The Lord says it's time to water that seed. And when you go, expect great increase of the dimension of the kingdom to flow out of you because that river will flow. The last thing I saw is it says about Jesus that he'll be known as the Chancellor, the Prince of Peace. But it says that the government is going to sit upon his shoulders. And the Lord has waited for someone who is young enough to stand up and say, Lord, here I am, here are my shoulders. Put the government upon my shoulders. And today the Lord's saying, Charlotte, that upon your shoulders, He's putting a governmental mantle and a rod in your hand to bring justice where there's been injustice, to bring um, the, the realm of the kingdom and to release the realm of the kingdom that people would see the grace and mercy and the love of God flowing through your life. Today is a new day and I am ordering your steps, says the Lord. Do not be afraid of those who would come around you. Don't even look at them, but look at me, and I will be the flower of your eyes, says the Lord. Thank you. Charlotte, I asked a scripture for the Lord from you, and it came immediately, and it's out of Proverbs 4, and it says, it says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in the getting... In the getting, get understanding. And I believe that that's happened with you, that you have sought wisdom from God, but you've also sought wisdom and understanding from the elders in the church. You have sought wisdom and understanding from your parents. It says in this, in this word it says, promotion will come in the getting of wisdom and understanding. Grace will come as a garland upon your 
him. Honor will come and the crown of glory. And this is a promise of God through his word. And we believe that we see this on you and in your standards that you have kept and the way that you have sought God. We embrace you today. We honor you and value as the daughter of God. You're precious in his sight. Therefore, he has honored you and he has loved you. So we stand as a family of God. And I just speak now for the whole family of God. We surround you as a beautiful, precious daughter of God and we send you out in righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. We send you out in confidence. We send you out with value and we send you out with honour. Just release that word Lord. Release the fire upon her in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Wonderful. Well. Fantastic. Wonderful. Well, I've never seen a young person out like that to live in a nation and work like that. And uh, I want to particularly thank Pastors Dave and Kate and Anna for sowing into her life, for investing in her at crucial times, helping her to get through some of the major teenage challenges, and then taking her with you to the mission field and giving her an opportunity to see what God could do. And this is the first fruits of many young people that we want to send out from our church to change the world. Amen? So thank you again for what you've sown and put into her life. Appreciate that very, very much. Praise the Lord. I want to just share something briefly from the uh, Word of God just for us, uh, just on Easter. And uh, if you've got a Bible with me, I'd like to just open up in Luke 22. I want to read a few verses. Just set a backdrop for the uh, production we're going to have a look at. And uh, just in, uh, in Luke chapter 22. And uh, Jesus said, this is just before Jesus' death. So Jesus knows he's in the last hours of his life. He knows that ahead of him lies a terrible and a brutal death by crucifixion. And so he gathers his uh, friends around him. And he particularly singles out one, and he says this. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that that your faith would not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So Easter is a time when we celebrate the message of the gospel. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate what Jesus did and what he is doing. When Jesus came, the first words he spoke in his public ministry, they were like this. They were, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or putting it in a simpler, simpler language, for those perhaps who are not used to Bible language, it'll be something like this. Change for greater things are available to you. And so Jesus' message was a message challenging people to change. Change how we think, change our attitudes, change our values change our belief system, not because God wants to take away things from us, but because God has much better things for us. You and I are spirit beings. We're we're created in the image of God, and God made us to have a relationship with Him, to discover a destiny in Him, to have a life filled with purpose, and to walk in relationship with God, manifesting what God is like. But when sin entered into the world, sin changed us. And so 
God did not leave us alone. God sent Jesus Christ into this world to show us what He is like. And whether you believe in Jesus Christ or what you believe is not so important as this. The reality is He came into this world. No one denies that. Some call Him a great leader. Some call Him a great teacher. Some call Him a prophet. But many people call Him many names. Some use His name to swear. But however, God sent His Son into this world to show us what heaven is like. Now at this point, Jesus speaks to, to uh, Peter and uh, He speaks to him something very, very important. He begins to give him a challenge. He says, Simon, Simon, I've got something to tell you. In other words, He's trying to get His attention. He's saying, there's something I want you to understand. And then He begins to say something like this. He said, Satan has desired you to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed that your faith would not fail. And when you're converted, you'll strengthen your brothers. What an interesting thing to say. Now, you would expect a normal person to say this. Oh, tell me more about that. What is the spirit world? What is it that you understand and know that I don't know about? You see, Jesus was trying to tell him there is a very real spirit world. And there is a very real adversary called the devil who influences the course of men's thinking and actions in the earth. The Bible says, how come there's wars and all kinds of conflicts? How come there's family breakdowns and marriage breakdowns? How come there are all kinds of addictions and problems in the world today? We live in such an age of education, an age of technology, but none of it seems to be fixing it. It seems to be accelerating at a greater and a greater rate. And so what is the problem? Clearly the problem is not education. Clearly, the problem is not knowledge. Clearly, the problem is not technology. The problem has to be deeper than that. It has to be more personal than that. And Jesus came to show us what the problem is. He said there is an invisible spirit world. There is an invisible kingdom called the kingdom of darkness. And it influences the hearts of men to sin and walk a life independent of God. Saying in their minds, I don't need God. I can make my life work as it is. I don't need to follow God's ways. I don't need a relationship with God. In fact, I don't even really believe there's a God. I will be my own God and run my life my own way. And that is the core of sin. And this is the thing that is the root of the problem. Jesus wanted to reveal to Simon, wanted to show him, Simon, you are engaged in a spiritual conflict. You're about to come under pressure. And you know what Simon did? Simon immediately rises up on the inside. He says, oh, not me. I'm better than that. I wouldn't be like everyone else. You can trust me. And the pressure's on. I'm with you. I'll go to prison. I'd even go to death. You see the, the confidence he had in himself. He had no understanding of the power of sin to break down and cause even the most powerful and strong-minded men to sin and fail. And this is really where the problem we all have. Even though we try to do good, live a good life, try to make our life work the best it can, we realize there's something inside us that is not working. And the Bible calls that sin. When Jesus spoke to Peter and he said, Peter, the devil is after you. He wants to cut you off from a kingdom of blessing, of joy, of life, a kingdom of God that would bring you into your destiny. He says, it's coming against you to try and steal it away from you. And Peter carried on like he didn't even hear. He carried on like he'd heard nothing. And within a few hours, this man who so boldly said, I'll never do that. This man so filled with pride and self-confidence. Well, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be like anyone else. Failed and fell in the most tragic way. Denied even knowing Jesus after spending three years with him. 
How did Jesus deal with this man that failed? How does God deal with our failures? I want to show you two or three insights just from this passage. Then we're going to go into our production. And we're going to look at the gospel presented in a drama form. We'll need to keep the aisles clear to do that because people will move and they'll come down the aisles. There'll be all kinds of things happen. So how did Jesus deal with it? Here's the first thing. The first thing is God knew about Peter's failure before it had even happened. God knows our mistakes. If you pick up a book, you can stand outside the book, look into the book, and pick up a life story at any point in that person's life. From eternity, God can look into our lives and see the start and see the end. God has written a plan for your life, but it'll never come about unless we connect with Him. So God sees the failures, not only the past failures. He sees the ones we're going to make today. He sees the failures or mistakes we'll make tomorrow. So how does God deal with the failure? Here's what Jesus said. He said, I've been praying for you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to accuse you. I'm not going to punish you for the mistakes and failures. He said, rather, I want you to know I believe in you. I want you to know that I am going to give my life for you. I want you to know that I'm going to go to the cross for your sins and your failures. I want you to know that in spite of any failure you make, in spite of what you're saying now and knowing that you're going to fail, in spite of what I know about you, I still love you and believe in you and you can make it. What an amazing God we have. And Peter's standing there, la, 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 not hearing a thing. Not hearing anything. Jesus is telling him he's about to enter in one of the greatest challenges and conflicts in his life, and he's not even asking about it. He's saying, oh, no, no, I'm not like that. No, this is how I am. He's actually deaf spiritually. I wonder how many today are deaf spiritually, and God wants to open your ears. Open your heart to understand that God knows all your failures, all past failures, present failures, future failures. He does not condemn you, judge you, or want to punish you. But he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. So you could be forgiven. You could be reconciled to God. And you could have a life that's connected to God. Here's the amazing thing that Jesus said. He said, I've prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. He said, the key issue is what you believe. And he said, I want you to believe that I can save you and I can change you. After Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to Peter, Jesus restored him and Jesus touched his life and the Spirit of God came into Peter and this man that said, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this was now a changed man. He stood up, he changed the lives of 3,000 people in one day. This man that was so timid, proud, arrogant in some, impetuous in some ways, unaware of his failure and potential for failure, this man went out and he gave his life serving Jesus Christ and advancing the kingdom of God. God can take an ordinary life full of failure, full of pride, full of mistakes, and He can change that life and make it a life that influences and changes the lives of others. How wonderful if that was to happen to you. It just requires a decision. 